0: Folks, I've got some bad news. What's that? Uh, He's a 10, but unfortunately he signs multiple contracts at once. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. (laughs) This is going to require more than the small claims court. Welcome to episode 380 of Motorsport 101. And, um... We're coming to you fresh off the aftermath of IndyCar in Toronto, where IndyCar in Toronto was kind of the secondary story on this one, to say the least, because uh, on Tuesday night, all of IndyCar's media got flipped upside down, it blew up, it exploded, F1 was caught in the crossfire, and it all centers around the reigning series champion Alex Polo, who Depending on who you ask, is now a member of the McLaren racing family, huh? Is well, he?
1: Well, you see, you see, Dre. I, I have this. I have this press release from Chip Ganassi, and he said that he's staying part of the Ganassi family for next year. Right. He's definitely. Hello, oh, no, Jeff Hat.
2: I, I must have missed that. Twenty twenty three contract.
1: <laughs> so if I've got a twenty twenty three contract, and you've got a twenty twenty three
0: contract. Which, uh, which
1: which which color is he going
0: to be wearing next year? Um, Blorange um, is the answer to that question. Definitely Blorange. I love that Vic and chat also went, but for who, Chris Kamara?
1: <laughs> oh, you see, the problem is both teams at some point in the year run a blue and orange car.
0: Oh, God, this is only going to get more confusing. Right, let's go around the horn real quick. First of all, first of all RJ O'Connell, how you doing, big man? Um... Doing good. Going to Watkins Glen this weekend. I am so excited to get to see this place. Wonderful track. I love Watkins Glen. (laughs) Be careful. Do not take the edibles, okay? I've heard many a story about the Watkins Glen edibles. It's not, like, (laughs) avoid. I've heard stories about the Seneca
2: Lodge. I don't know about these Watkins Glen edibles. (laughs) Uh,
1: I don't don't know, RJ. Like, take a couple of those. You better grab on some grass and hold on tight so you don't fall off the earth. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. You take you take like half
2: one of those and all of a start you 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 want to start running the boot all the time. Oh god. Even, no though, I even though you should.
0: Everybody should run the boot. Yeah, you're damn right. Everybody should. I'm I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Also, we got Cam Buckley. Hello, sir. Hi
1: everyone. Um Man. It's been three days. I've only gotten this television up. Two steps on my stairway. It's it's, it's rough. So let, it's, it's rough, it's rough so, so let me get this straight. It's rough having a hundred ninety-seven pound television.
0: So let me get this straight. You dragging a two hundred pound TV up a flight of stairs in your house just so you can play your own Xbox on it?
1: Um, PlayStation Two. But yes.
0: You psychopath,
1: Buckley. <laughs> look, I look. I got. Look, I got to get that. I got. I got to get that low input lag GT three time. How else am I gonna gold the fucking super license tests? Uh cheating.
0: Action um, replay. Well, well you <laughs> see,
1: that's for that's for weaklings like you. I do it uh I do it legit and it hurts. See, look, if breaking
2: the rules was good enough for Smoky Eunuch, it, it's good enough for anyone
1: of us, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that was hey, hey. He didn't break the rules. He just went where there weren't any. That works. A bit, a bit like the, uh, a bit like the guy who must be writing up the contracts for Alex below. Oh god!
2: That's right. We're here, that's right. We're here to talk about the the RM one thousand sits at the streets of Palanga right now. Tough luck for the Aaron brothers. Uh, really looking forward to when David Malukas runs this race. Now we're talking <laughs> about IndyCar in Toronto.
0: Oh yeah, we got. We got. Sadly, we have to talk about that instead. But even that. Is on the back burner because, let's be honest here, Toronto is kind of a side attraction here. The main course was Where Will Alex Polo Go? Um, and uh, that was the main graphic that was played about 14 times during IndyCars coverage this weekend on Peacock. You know, a firm grip of the cock um, was taking place uh. in only five minutes of... <laughs> um, it was only five minutes of ad time, too. So they were really trying to ram that down our throats. So, yeah, guys, guys, we're, we're almost ad free now. It's great. Um, so we'll be talking about, well, Alex Polo's contract drama. Um, and, well, what does he do between McLaren and Chip Ganassi? How we got to this point and what impact um, essentially will it have on the series going forward? And I know we have different opinions on this. One. I mean,
1: I mean, look, we, we know where it goes. And uh, as it turns out, it's into the side of Marcus Ericsson.
0: Of course, the, the, the old favorite, as I like to say. And of course, we'll talk about the fact that we did actually have a Grand Prix in Toronto for the first time in three years. And oh, for the first time in over a year, I can say this on a podcast. <clears throat> Death taxes Dixon.
2: <laughs> hey, he said the thing! He said the thing! It's
1: been oh, I mean... too long! And <laughs> <laughs> I'm, oh. I'm just looking at what was quoted in our Discord, and uh, I apologize to our listeners, uh, Dre forgot to take his horny be gone before the show.
0: <laughs> it was just a um, cock-related pun. What's the worst Look, that could possibly the, be happening? The
2: heat in the UK is making people doing strange things.
0: It's only just dropped down to 26. It was 35 degrees Celsius an hour ago here in the UK, as we record this on July 18th. I'm cooking right now. I'm I'm in a Lakers jersey, and I am sweating worse than the Lakers front management trying to deal with Russell Westbrook's contract. It's horrible in here. It's just hot, sweaty, and uncomfortable, just like watching Russell Westbrook. Anyway... Places you could find us real quick before we get into the IndyCar talk. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. If you had to follow us on Twitter, you can at Motorsport underscore 101. And our personal handles are at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, and at CBuckley917. Um, if you want to follow all of the website stuff as well, we've got a bunch of written pieces as well, including extra thoughts from yours truly on Everything regarding not only Alex Polo, but Daniel Ricciardo. I still joke about the fact that I wrote nearly 2,000 words on Danny Rick last week, only for it to be made irrelevant 16 hours later. McLaren, you owe me an invoice. That's all I'm saying, right? Like like for work-related damages to my psyche. But that's in the blog section of the website. And if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We can, we can back us there for early access to a bunch of other perks, including our Discord server where you can listen to these shows live as they're being recorded. They're fun. Thanks, everyone that's listening. in. By the way, we appreciate you as ever. So, g- gentlemen, shall we talk about Alex Polo? So... Let's go back to this time last week, last Tuesday, roughly, when the time this goes out. So, we're all just kind of thinking, wow, how is
2: Andretti Autosport going to uh, how- move on from their current predicament? Mm. <laughs> and as it turns out, the best thing that could have happened for them is to com- get
0: completely buried in the news cycle. Yeah, um, so... RJ wrote a fantastic explanation, which I'll now narrate right now. Uh, it says, quote, IndyCar City season just got blown open last week. Alex Pillow, the reigning series champion, was confirmed to have signed the extra one-year option on his contract by Chick Racing at 8.35pm UK time on Tuesday. Four hours later, the man himself tweeted that he never and that he told the team that he wanted to leave. Earth-shattering announcements on, on IndyCar on Monday night. Then, five minutes later, McLaren Racing revealed that they'd signed Pelot, but much like they did when they signed Felix Rosenquist just a few short weeks ago, McLaren didn't explicitly reveal where he was going to be driving. Padua Ward and Alex Rossi are explicitly signed as Arrow McLaren SP drivers. When we're all thinking Ganassi's social media manager is getting fired for an incredible blunder, Ganassi fired back and confirmed to members of the media that he's under contract for 2023, and are adamant he'll be racing for them next season. To that end, Ganassi squashed all suggestions that they'd put the reigning champion on gardening leave immediately, and Alex Palou raced his way from 22nd to 6th in Toronto to keep himself in the championship battle. In summary, two independent teams with two different IndyCar engine suppliers and bosses who have a disdain for one another, according to those inside the business, cheers, Marshall Pruitt, as ever, now have a legitimate claim to the services rendered for one driver for their upcoming racing season, and I don't think I need to tell you that that's not tenable. Gentlemen, <laughs> I go to you. Mm. <laughs> What did you make of this news? Because honestly, our Discord exploded. We had to call what I called an emergency meeting, like something out of Among Us. Um, yeah, we
1: hit the button. Um, it, it's uh, just okay, I distinct. saw an Alice below, man. <laughs> it, it, it's just indistinct contractual screaming at this point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, where do you even start with all of this? Just the the timing of all of it. Now, now first of all, that yeah. Ganassi statement, ganassi faking a quote from the man because you've heard alex Pelot talk i don't know if he's ever used the word in any point of his life folks Folks. referring to the folks on the number 10 crew
2: yeah that i was gonna say that like in the in the process of
1: uh motorsport
2: pr like making up quotes from like bullet point statements is a common practice for uh for drivers um you know, if you want to know my reaction to it all, all I could do is laugh and then wish that I
1: was really in surrounded this weekend because like, ooh, I, I want to be the fly on the wall everywhere soaking up all this stuff. Um, well, because not only that, RJ, when that 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 statement came out from Ganassi, and then hours later Pillow denies it, and not even like ten minutes after Pillow denies five it. Five minutes. Five minutes. McLaren announces that they've signed a contract with him.
2: Yeah. I, a- I laugh my head off when that when that email came into the box as I'm trying to digest what Pillow has said. And then I get an email from McLaren that says we've signed Alice Pillow. And I am
1: laughing hysterically. Yeah, they really said it's free real estate.
0: Yeah, and, and to put it into perspective, this was at 12.35 in the morning UK time. McLaren don't release press statements like that. They were clearly scrambling to get something out there in public and obviously hammering the social media manager to say, hey, hey, look, 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 guys, 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 we got Pallone. Um, put it out there, quick, go, go, go. Now let's use the nuclear option.
2: He did it he used the nuclear option that's what this has been described as and there, there's there's some contents behind a lot of this sure. um if you recall uh polo came over to indycar from super formula with dale coin racing with team go uh one of the important people who helped broker that deal was a guy named by the name of roger Asakawa, former driver uh and up until recently roger Asakawa had been one of polo's representatives the other is a company called Monaco Increase Management, who once had ambitions of starting their very own F1 team in collaboration with Campos Racing. Uh, that basically turned into Vaporware. Uh, as <laughs> of recently, Yasakawa is no longer Polo's other manager. He is solely represented by Monaco Increase. So uh, there's been a change in the management side. Mm-hmm. Apparently McLaren uh, came to Polo with a contract offer during the middle of May. Because remember, when he came over from Coin to Ganassi, you know, while people in the know could see his potential, I can imagine that that was not an expensive contract to bring him in and that nobody would have expected that he goes to winning the series championship in his first year with a brand new team. So suddenly, a very cheap contract. It's got to be renegotiated before the end to make sure that Alice Pelo gets paid what he's worth on the open market as a series champion. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um. So McLaren comes to Pelo. It's not the other way around. And then throughout the month of June, we're hearing like whispers and then Pelo is saying, I'm definitely staying with Ganassi, even though he's still talking to McLaren, even though him and MIM are still talking to McLaren. And then, Ganassi drops the press release, and we're all ready to clown on the people that said, "Oh, he's definitely going to McLaren." And then hours later, Pello says he's not staying with Ganassi for personal reasons, and then McLaren says they've signed him, and we're all ready to clown on Ganassi because we think they messed up the press conference. And then they're like, uh, "Actually, he's driving for
1: us. We still have him under contract. We did not misspeak." No,
0: as per my last email, right? Which is which is a polite Quite way literally. Emailed. Which is which is like the email equivalent of telling someone the word FODE, which, in case you don't know, the O-A-N-E stands for off and die. Um, <laughs> if, if you need any extra context <laughs> behind that. Um, this is where <laughs> we're at right now. And first of all, this was hilarious. This was earth shattering when well, this watch, came out.
1: Li- Being in the Discord, I, I, I am so happy I was on break at work. Oh, God. I actually had missed my <laughs> break, so I took it late just in time for this shit show to go down. Yeah. Oh, it was like poetry.
0: The speculation, the statements, the rifeness, the, the fact that we were breaking down the press releases word for word as mentioned. Like, like
1: race car Twitter just sat there going, hey, yo, what the hell for a I, good hour straight? I,
0: I was in the Twitter spaces with Unpaid Intern. Check him out on Twitter. He's a good dude. and um, Fellow Jamaican. We love him. Um, and I was in the Twitter spaces with him until about 2.30 in the morning UK time. It was a good vibe, I must say. Um, so shout out to everyone that was in that space. They were all very, very nice people. But um, yeah, like it was absolutely mayhem. And like now the dust has settled a bit since then. I mean, Cam, what do you what, like? What do you make of it, Cam? A week on,
1: I still don't know what to make of it. A week on because we really don't know what's going to happen. I mean, <laughs> like given given the current situation. um the fact that Palo, as we'll get to later, got a bit close to his team. You know, he, he could have gotten that contract buyout much quicker if he just dumped Erickson in the race. Right. Because he came just about an inch just away short. from doing so. Um, I mean, it, it just feels like at the end of the day, Ganassi had an option to pick up his contract. And it feels like they've triggered that in order to force McLaren to buy him out of that year.
0: Yeah, it 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 feels like a set of power plays from almost every party involved here. Chip got a bar like Chip last year got a bargain he probably wasn't expecting. Like Pillow surpassed every expectation we thought well, if he was. If he wasn't
1: expecting, he should have just watched some super formula, right, RJ? Right, that's right. Yeah. Uh, of, uh, congratulations,
2: of course Ukyo Sasahara, on the first career win.
0: Yep, yep, yep. Now look, I like it's clear that like when Polo got the Chip Ganassi seat, he didn't have any bargaining power whatsoever. It was a huge upgrade from where he was at at Dale Coin. The number ten car is a pretty prolific car in IndyCar, car. It's a high ranking seat, one of the best you could have in the sport. And also, like,
2: nobody had really had long term success in it since Dario Franchitti was forced into retirement.
0: Yeah, not since Kanan, really, in, in that sense. And Kanan was happy to play backup on many an occasion for Dixon. So you'd have to go back to Dario on that one. And yeah, Palo had no negotiating power. Unfortunately, well, fortunately in Chip's case, he got a bargain because Palo came in, immediately won the title, became team leader, became a few star overnight. And Palo understandably wanted to re- renegotiate his contract because now, now he's worth a lot more understandably is going well why would i want to do that um, when, when i've got you for, when i've got you for two more years on, on, on a bargain bucket price i mean
2: times are tough heinz is leaving the football stadium they're taking yeah. down the ketchup bottles
0: yeah, times are tough, you know. Any way you can save money, you can take it, despite having five cars for the Indy five hundred. <clears throat> but um, you know, times Oof. are tough. You gotta to save some money where you can, you know, we, you know. I'm sure Jimmy Johnson was more than affordable. Um, but you know <laughs>
1: they're making money with Jimmy
0: Johnson in that car. Well I was gonna say, like, there's no way that Chip could have possibly laid out a new contract for Polo, which is far too expensive for a man of his value. No, in, in all seriousness, sarcasm aside. I understand both perspectives here. Chip, understandably, is, you know, it's as shady as it is, given that he knows Polo is better than what he's worth on that current contract. Of course he is. He's arguably the best driver in the series. right? He's not, if he is, even at the risk of alienating his driver, he is, like, I can understand why you would be reluctant to write out a big old check, even though it's Polo. I can also understand the other side of the defense where Pelot is like, well, I'm clearly not valued here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm worth money. I, I won you an extra cup. You know, I'm money. Hold it back. And, well, McLaren swooped in. Pelot's made it no secret that he wants to drive in Formula 1 one day. He comes from Spain. That's the most prolific series. He grew up in the era of Alonso's dominance, you know,
2: He raced in GP3. He raced in European Formula Three back when that was still a thing. So he's been he's been in the ladder. I once compared him to a poor man's Max Verstappen because they were both born in the same year. They both had similar career paths up to that point in their first year of car racing, Mm. and now they're both respective champions in their series.
0: Yeah. And what's the one thing, the one key element of leverage that Zach Brown has over any potential young driver wanting to race? In IndyCar, he's got a Formula 1 team, and no one else does in IndyCar, and that is a, a, an item of leverage that we've seen him flaunt for the last two years in the world of North American and European motorsport. Well, to be
1: more accurate, more like a Formula 1.7 team, but...
2: Well, you know what I mean.
0: Like, it's... it's
2: Look, it's I'm... more than what Michael Andretti has right now, despite the best efforts of Michael Andretti.
1: Right. I don't even think... my I don't think he has much of an IndyCar team.
2: Right. You know how wild it is. That, again, Andretti Autosport just came into this whole weekend. And we like we can put this whole thing behind us if we just lay low and they did just uh, hide. Other, other than that, Sandro Rossi getting shoved in the wall by Felix Rosenquist. Which think of how this impacts Felix Rosenquist. I mean, Rosenquist himself said, you know, there's a chance Palo may not race at all next year. And I don't know if that's just wishful thinking on his part because uh, the the likely move is. Pillow's in a third IndyCar taking Rosenquist's place alongside Oward and
0: Rossi? I really don't know. But if, if, if it's the thing, right, if it becomes a legal matter, there's no way Pillow can drive for a team in the process because he's in deadlock. He signed two different contracts that conflict with each other, right? So there's no way he can drive for both for either party if, 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 if it became a legal matter. Like it, what, I think what Felix said was actually quite rational. I know a lot of people jumped on that topic was like, well, what the hell does Felix know? You know, but No, I he's... jumped in there thinking, ooh, that's a story. Yeah, of course, it's a spicy quote. It's a very spicy quote because everybody else has had their words to say on this deal. Scott Dixon spoke very openly on this, saying, I wouldn't have done it like this. And, you know, it's a difficult situation, but I respect what Pillow is and what he's done. But Dixon was like I wouldn't do that, (laughs) you know, basically. And this is where we're at now. And look, in my humble opinion, given the lay of the land, there is no good reason for Alex Polo to jump ship from arguably the best team in IndyCar right now with Chip Ganassi. You know, they go. I think that's arguable. Yeah, you know, the best team in the sport right now. The guy's got the championship leader, the the, the reigning 500 champion, who dominated the 500 earlier on in May, which we all know is the real reason why we're here, right? And has, you know, the number one car in the championship and uh, two more in contention still, you know. They've been the best team in IndyCar for the last two years, at least. Arrow McLaren are a good team, but they are still nothing more than occasional winners in the grand scheme of things. They are a... I think the yardstick is nearer the midfield than it is at the very top with AMSP. That is a downgrade for Alex Polo. There is no other way of slicing it, in my opinion. You'll never convince me otherwise on this. Which says to me, the only reason you're doing this is either, one, the money is astronomical, like, in terms of difference in paycheck here. And Zach's rolled out some sort of seven-figure purse to go alongside his new expansion, he's building, or you've dangled the F one seat in his face. Which let's not forget, out of all the youngsters that McLaren's got in that camp, Alex Polo is the only one who can drive a Formula One car right now because he has a super license. And Pato Award and Colton Herter don't. That's what makes it so tricky. Pello's yeah. got the forty points because he won the championship last year. I think yeah. Pill- I think Awards on thirty five, and I think Colton's on thirty two. Depending on how yeah. much testing he did with that Portamount test the other day,
2: yeah, like and it seemed like Colton had a had a fun time doing the Portamount the sure. test. Um mm. if there is any one team out of the Chevrolet camp, especially that that typically looks like the best chance to win the Indianapolis five hundred every year, Aaron McLaren SP has jumped Penske in that regard. Now Pesky has one more race oh, yeah. than everybody else but uh,
1: but Oh yeah, we've but Pesky, I mean I mean since 2020 have just reeked at the 500. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, like what? The only the only time that they haven't was Pagano last year being like the sole bright spot in an otherwise miserable month of May. Yeah, and he had to charge
2: mm-hmm. through the field to make that happen. Other than that, it's what then he it's left. Ed Car yeah, and then it's and then other than that in the Chevrolet camp, it's Ed Carpenter Racing who always build fast cars, but never seem to get there at the very end.
1: Yeah, and and. I mean, the, we've talked about McLaren's limitations so far, where they basically set the car up a given way, and if you can deal with it, great. If you can't, sucks to be you.
2: If they're mm. bringing it an Alexander Rossi and Alex Palou, I, I don't think they're going to have they're going to be able to get away with that much longer.
1: Not- yeah, because you're as much as we clown on Alexander Rossi, and believe me, stay we do. tuned. Um, stay, stay tuned for more later on that. Yeah, the driving talent isn't going to be uh, under question. Anymore, but it's let's never say. been the driving
0: talent Cam, Even even before no. the expansion, they they had a team of what at one point of James Hinchcliffe and Robert Wickens, who was an incredible rookie in IndyCar until that and horrible both them, accident. And both of them didn't win a race that year. Robert,
1: Robert probably should have.
2: Robert Robert should have and everything remember everybody what everybody remembers from that year for 2018 for James Hinchcliffe
0: was the fact that he missed the Indianapolis 500. Yeah, he he got he got bumped and everybody pinned it on Lena Gade and she lost her job for it. Like It was brutal up in the I
2: want to sit
0: in the room when Chip
2: Ganassi and Zach Brown have to work out this contract buyout because you think either one of
0: them really want this to drag out to court? Of course not. Court's expensive. It's time consuming. It's lazy. No one wants that. They're going to have to sit down and and Chip's probably going to have to give way because ultimately he's got a driver who has openly said to the world, he doesn't want to race for you anymore. You've got to let him go. The question is, how much money can you rinse out of Zach Brown to make that happen? How badly do you want the reigning series champion? How
1: bad che- are you for that? Cash.
2: Here's Here's her check, fuckface.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly how this is gonna go down. And honestly, the one thing I'm surprised at about this. No one seems to be criticizing that Ex-Polo for being naive enough to sign two contracts at the same time. I was going to
1: say that's that's not it, Chief. It's, it's,
0: I don't think it's naivety. I think it's just
2: ruthless from from him and his management.
0: It's um, it's ridiculously unprofessional. You don't sign two different contracts with two different teams. Like Chip is like Chip Ganassi are a lot of things. They would never, ever, ever put out a public statement like that. Unless they were one hundred percent sure that there was an option in Pillow's contract for a third year, there is they, uh, no way. They also they w-
1: faked a quote from the man.
0: This is also true, and that makes me a little bit doubtful about that. That's but look,
2: a, that's the thing that they will that Pillow would probably use if it does get to court as like leverage to be like, "Hey, you know, I'm being taken in bad faith here. You need to let me out of this contract."
0: But that's like again, it's a common practice
2: in the world of motorsport PR,
0: right? Like, people bend quotes all the time. There's a big difference between faking a quote and faking a contract. Like, one is a bit nasty. The other one could easily wind you up in a courtroom. Like, there's a big difference there. Now, like I said, I I find it amazing that people have given Polo the benefit of the doubt in all this when this is an objectively unprofessional move. Like Like You've now basically put two of the biggest teams in IndyCar square at the face of each other and you've made the entire series look stupid because now you've got two of the biggest names in the sport at each other's heads over the reigning series champion who is basically only really signing this deal because he's got an outside chance of an f one seat. It's a mess. Like it yeah. is a mess. There is nothing good in this situation. And it leads me on to the second question I've got in this situation, which was, what do you think this does for the image of the series going forward?
1: <laughs> um, to use your words, nothing good. Right. No, no, that's I mean, that's where I'm saying this. Yeah, yeah, like no matter how you slice it, the fact that you've got the three guys who are you have banked your future on these three. You've got Colton Herter, you've got Alex Pillow, and you've got Pato Award all salivating over the prospect of a mildly garbage TRF one seat because let's rip the bandage off here. McLaren are hot ass in Formula One this year. Right. Um, Lando Norris is driving out of his skin to get, like, scrape points. hmm And you've got three of the guy. well, I'd say two of the guys because let's be real, and uh, Andretti is not a top tier. IndyCar team anymore until further notice. That's my declaration. I'm sticking to it. Sure. Um, you're leaving the best team. You're you're attempting to leave the best team in IndyCar to go get a go to a mediocre F1 team. That doesn't say anything good about your series. I don't think it's a complete disaster, but no. it doesn't say anything good, does it?
0: RJ, I know you got a lot to say on this.
1: Well, I do
0: because.
2: You know, I, I thought about this a lot since Tuesday. Um, I spent a lot of time thinking about this since Tuesday because, uh, you know, we were having conversations if, you know, just how good or bad this is for the series. And and the more I think about it, the more I think that while it would, it would be a bummer if IndyCar lost any, any one of those three, certainly all three of them. Like, if Alex Pillow, Pato, Ward, but let's hurt, let's think, also but be all, real.
1: If we're if we're going to be honest, though, we're not losing all three because not all three of them are going to be able to escape that That
2: brings me to my point: hmm. uh,
1: is that if
2: I have to play the role of IndyCar show for the purpose of this exercise, I have to. But we know damn well. There's not enough f F1 seats to go around for even the top 5% of drivers who have existing Formula 1 tries and the championship credentials to make it happen. You don't believe me? Ask an Oscar Piastri fan right now if they believe that their favorite driver has a straightforward path to an F1 drive that does not involve wrangling, gymnastics, some sort of loan deal, some sort of brand new engine contract which runs right in the face of something that another team has to make that happen. And we haven't even talked about, you know, Logan Sargent. We haven't factored in Teo Porcher. Felipe yeah, Drogavich is beating
1: all these dudes. But I think, RJ, I think that's somewhat missing the point, is that it's not necessarily that they will leave, because we know that if, if one of these guys is going to end up leaving, it's probably just going to be just one. It's going to be the, just It's one. the fact that all three of them are working Two two of them are actively potentially actively sacrificing their IndyCar careers to go drive for McLaren, who suck in F one. Being in this case, being Herta and Pello. I don't believe that. I don't believe that because
2: in Colton Herta's case, he actively has to make a championship push right now to make to get the super license points if we're going to go all in on the conjecture that these dudes really don't want to be here, then we need to start asking that of every young professional racing driver who has some sort of career of mobility up in front of them. Because Kevin Magnussen didn't even need the prospect of a competitive car to go tell Peugeot that, thanks for letting me join part of your hypercar project. I'm skipping town to go rejoin Haas, a team that I already said I've never rejoined in the first place. We're not out and, here citing Kevin Magnuson leaving we as well. were. the World Championship is fucked because they have but other pe- things to But RJ,
1: out. people were. Yeah. People, people mocked Kevin the Mag- hell out of Weck over it.
2: Kevin Magnuson is not moving the needle for the World Endurance Championship. I'm sorry. They've got other fish to fry. They have to figure out how many automakers are going to be on board with their new product once we get unification and then how that balances out with BOP and EOT.
1: Joke's on you! It never will. It never <laughs> will balance out. Yeah, you
2: ask at least half the dudes in Formula E right now. You know, what would would do? You want to keep your job if a midfield F one team offers them a guarantee race seat? I'm oh, yeah. willing to bet absolutely. Yet Antonio Giovinazzi would love to go back to Alfa Romeo right
0: now. I have
2: Every professional racing driver wants more than anything the opportunity to be competitive, win races and championships, and get paid handsomely to do it. And most, if not, most times that opportunity just isn't an F1. And deep down, I think all three of these guys that we're talking about know that. They're not going to go into this the way Dan Ticknam would. Dan Ticknam's an extreme case of sour grapes and unprofessionalism.
1: RJ, just... counterpoint. If he knows that deep down, why the hell did Alex Pillow just leave? the best team in IndyCar, or made made an attempt to leave, we'll see how it plays out, who, were it not for um, self-inflicted wounds, would have probably run the top five at the Indy 500 this past year. There is the opportunity of an F1 test
2: in front of you. I just dispute the notion that, you know, these guys... Are actively trying to get. What like, I, I think about top rack and world superbikes. I think about how Kenan Safagalu is agitating mm. that top rack should be in, in MotoGP. But we're not having crisis meetings of World Super over World superbikes and how their future is ruined because one guy's man, the manager of the one top star under the age of thirty, is agitating that this dude should be in MotoGP.
0: The problem seeing- is. The problem with that, RJ, is that no one cares about World Superbikes unless it's Simon Patterson who wants to write a piece about it on the race, talking using it as a stick to beat MotoGP with.
1: <laughs> like, and, and conversely, the people who are tribal with it use it as a, have been using it as a stick to beat World Superbike with at the exact same mentality of "Ha ha, look how worthless your series is." He, your best rider, wants to go to MotoGP,
0: which is ironic, but given that the same entity owns both companies, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we which were having a discussion wild. about.
2: We were having discussions about whether or not Liberty should have been won by IndyCar, and I can tell you, IndyCar would not be in an advantageous position if they were owned by the same people that run Formula One.
1: No, no, they would not. Like,
2: like, like we can't go. And I'm not saying we, as any other people in this call, I, I'm. This is. I'm not <laughs> making this. I'm not we. making this. I am not making this personal. I say we no. cannot go out and clown on the idea that Alexander Rossi in 2016 would have dropped everything that he was doing in IndyCar after winning the Indianapolis 500? If there was a glimmer of a chance, of a hope, of a prayer that Manor Racing would take him back at the end of the year to drive for a team that was failing, and then eat this all up? That oh yeah, Alex, Alex Palou and Colton Hurd and pa- Patricia Ward are like yeah, fuck this series.
0: We don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> Here's the thing, right? It's a, it's a it's a well-made point. I do disagree with you on this one, RJ. The main reason why I disagree is because there's context to some of the names you mentioned. Yeah. Alex Rossi, when he first joined IndyCar, openly said he was using the series as a stepping stone to get back into F1. Do you think he wants th- to come back to Indy-1,
1: F1 right now?
0: No, well, but that's not the point. The point is, when he joined the series, he did. He looked as in he looked at IndyCar as beneath F one. He was actively using the series as a way to try and get back in. Like, unfortunately,
1: and that's something and the, that the Alex only will never escape. Yeah, and the, and the only reason that that's the only reason why he did not is a he snagged an Indy five hundred on his first attempt, and then the F one team that would have taken him back
0: died. Yeah, it wouldn't. It wasn't ideal at all. The circumstances around him changed. The grid got smaller, and no one was... T- and the thing is, Formula 1 bosses don't take IndyCar drivers as seriously as they did 20 years ago, except for Zach Brown, apparently, who I still think is using his team as leverage to coax young drivers over, because he has something that nobody else can provide, a glimmer of hope for an F1 seat. And these racing drivers, in my humble opinion, will always bet against themselves to give themselves the best chance they can do of whatever series they can be in. And there's no getting around it. Formula One is 50 times what IndyCar is right now. And IndyCar, I'm not saying this is going to be a catastrophic, earth-shattering moment for the series. Quite the opposite. They'll be fine. They've always got off with not... Indy car has
2: got, IndyCar's got other
1: problems that that we can Indycar get into. has right? survived. <laughs> IndyCar survived the guy running the series just pouring poison into every orifice, laughing. Right, like this is well, not a- While
2: this Bernie is not a... Egglestone is out here egging him on, like,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, pour it,
0: pour it, pour it. Look, here's what I was going to say, right? The series is at a crossroads. NASCAR is still the big fish in North America. And on top of that, you know, the, the, the NASCAR has been in a been in steady decline for the last 20 years. And on top of that, Formula 1 is actually starting to gain some traction in the United States after years of it being the market that Bernie just couldn't figure out a way to crack. Like, you know, if
2: I, if I was Bernie Ecclestone, I would simply
1: just do a better job.
0: Yeah. If I was not, Bernie not,
1: Ecclestone, I would have simply allowed a chicane at the final corner.
0: Correct. But the point I'm making here is that IndyCar is struggling to fit in. They can barely get a a million viewers per race at something that's not the 500. They have they fell into a golden era of younger talent coming up at the similar way to what F1 did about five years ago, where they lucked into having. 23-year-old Pado Award, 22-year-old Colton Herter, 25-year-old Alex Palou. People were gassing up the youth movement in IndyCar as recently as last year when Renus VK won his first race at age 21. Colton Herter yeah. was the first Grand Prix winner of the 2000s. I didn't right, talk a about, little about bit of
2: a... VK as a member of that youth movement.
0: Right. Well, well, to talk, uh, and, and
1: to make another comparison, uh, again, back in IndyCar... Look at the late '90s when you had you had most prominently Tony Stewart, yeah. but a series of all these drivers who you basically designed the Indy Racing League for, yeah, and then they all just ended up in NASCAR. Yeah, they all bolted. Like, uh, not- and uh, like all the IRL was left with was the scraps of the original IRL teams that survived, and then all the car teams that just either came back or were so damn stubborn that they sank with the champ car ship.
0: Uh, I I worry about the the future. This is a series I've already criticized for not promoting the ever-loving shit out of Joseph Newgarden half a decade ago, when I thought, this guy should be the face of your entire fucking series, and they never got fully behind him like that. They have three incredibly talented young drivers at the front of their series as a vocal point right now, and all three of them are actively twerking for a midfield F1 seat that I think deep down, most of them know they have a slim to zero chance of driving for next year or in two years' time and, and Ricardo's contract expires.
1: Ooh.
0: Irrespective of what actually
1: happens and where these drivers go are... Whatever this whole situation with Palo amounts to yeah. Because we
2: ultimately, the only people who know the truth of what's going on yeah. are the people but, within the respective but teams. Our, the but players.
1: the thing is, no matter how you slice it, it's just bad optics for the series that your three drivers that you, your three young stars, you have banked your future on,
0: don't want to be here. If the opportunity landed their way. They would jump to F one right now. And you could say and you could say the same about a
1: number of drivers in a number of different series. But unfortunately it's not we're not. To uh, I'm but not we're say- not, and we're not and those series haven't banked their continued
0: existence on those three drivers. And to be fair, IndyCar has been generally not great at promoting its young talent at all, to be honest with you. And Unless it's, it's a-
1: Santino Ferrucci. Yeah, who,
0: who may or may not have been getting checks under the table to do that, right? Oh God! And, and like, it's it's a mess, and, I, and I've said it before. This series drops the ball when it comes to promoting itself in North America. When it's got, I don't disagree with that, and and, and it, they it's, have it's got, their their own ladder system is all broken and messed up. Yeah. Miles Rowe had to get a check from the man who owns the series to keep his racing career they alive. They effectively That's...
1: don't have a ladder system ha- at this we're point. We're having
0: to do all the
2: heavy work to tell you that Kyle Kirkwood and Davis Malukas, David Malukas, are these dudes. Because right. I, I can almost guarantee you, and we're probably going to have to do the same thing when Linus Lundquist or Benjamin Peterson or Stingray Rob get in the, do- get in the
0: window. Right. Like, and like I said, Again, it's not a good look when the guy who runs your series has to write a check to keep Miles Row racing. That's not a good look for anybody. Like it no. it's it, it, it looks Bush League. All of this makes IndyCar look silly. And I and I I say this from someone from the UK who is a huge fan of this series. And look, I'm an international fan. I am never going to be on the priority list for IndyCar. And that's completely Mm. understandable. They have their core audience in North America. And that is, I get it. They're small time in the grand scheme of things. And that's always going to be the case. Completely understand that, right? Mm. But the one thing you guys have got over Formula One is your talent. Your talent and, and the charisma and the personality and the access that these drivers have. Bus Bros is an incredible series. I highly recommend you watch it. I've said it before. McLaughlin and Newgarden are fantastic personalities. I love the piss they
2: were taken out of the contract dispute saying, oh, side with Netflix.
0: Uh, no. Actually, no, we haven't. <laughs> It, it, it was hilarious. I've said it before. James Hinchcliffe was a was a mega star that they they blew an opportunity with to promote the ever loving crap out of when he nearly won Dancing with the Stars. Go Daddy,
2: stuff. Go Daddy. Transition from Danica Patrick to James Hinchcliffe, two of the biggest personalities the series had, and then nothing. Dropped
0: off the face of the earth, and that's that's my frustration with IndyCar as a fan because I feel like. They are missing out on so many opportunities. Look, this isn't entirely IndyCar's fault at all. This is, unfortunately, the problem with a team boss that likes whispering sweet nothings in Paddle Awards here. It's like, hey, baby, that, that, that F1 seed is just around the corner. You can feel it. All you got to do is just dive bomb the ever-loving shit out of that driver in Toronto, and that F1 seed is yours. Or, and, then, and then three minutes later, Tedding Colton. Ooh, Colton Baby, if you just overtake Scott Dixon, that seat could be yours, man. And then telling everybody this because he's taking advantage of these young drivers. And yeah, the urge to get into the big time because he's got the access that no one else has got. And unfortunately, it's making everybody look bad. No one is going to come out of this situation looking better for it. Not Polo, not Chip Ganassi, not McLaren, not Palo award not Colton Herter, not anyone. Everybody loses in this scenario. And yeah, I see your point, RJ, that yeah, this is not just an IndyCar problem. This is a motorsport problem in general. There will never be enough seats to facilitate all the talent we love to see and hope get better opportunities. But unfortunately, IndyCar has to, has to do what it can to save its own neck. And unfortunately... I don't know how you can promote a series and put these three guys as your vocal point. Three incredibly likeable, charming, young, incredible talented racing drivers. Something that not many series can brag, all under the age of 25. And yet, that's like I said, they're all twerking for a midfield F1 seat. It's it's bad. It's just bad for everybody. If you're a
2: small market sports club and you know that you're about to lose, that you, there's a chance you may lose a franchise player, you're not going to suddenly just pull them off of all promotional material because you still got to put people in the seats every game. There's many as you
0: can. Well, we'll see if Daniel Ricciardo wants to leave F1 because if he does, if then Daniel Ricciardo
2: gonna... says he doesn't. He's basically told McLaren, like, I don't want to leave, so if you want to buy me out, it's
0: your move, fucko. Well, let, let, let's see what Zach Brown wants to do because has anybody ever taken anything that man has said seriously at this point? That's the United problem. Auto, United Autosport Zach Brown, I trust more than McLaren Zach Brown. Um, McLaren Zach Brown is a puppet master. I don't respect him and I don't respect what he's doing with these drivers. I think it makes everybody look like goons and I stand by this. And I, but, but unfortunately, or should I say fortunately, one of those goons gave Scott Dixon a hell of a race on Sunday. I'll give him that because uh, my friends, welcome back to Scott Dixon, everybody. I know you've missed him. We, we've we barely said a word about him all year outside of Indianapolis, but Scott Dixon won the Toronto Grand Prix. Uh, his fourth time winning at Toronto and the 52nd win of Dixon's career is tying him for second on the all-time list of the great Mario Andretti. Mario, incredibly complimentary of the man on Twitter in tribute. Very classy, I do have to say. I'll read out the the tweet real quick, saying, quote, utmost respect for my friend Scott Dixon and truly happy to congratulate him on 52 wins. Also congratulate his team because nobody does it alone. I hope this is just a step on your continuing journey. Well done. And uh, yeah, it's yeah, game recognized game right there. We 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 love to see it. And uh, yeah, as, as as classy as ever for, uh, from from Mister Andretti and, and Dixon actually responded as well by saying, "Quote Mario, thank you, Legend, for your incredibly kind words. To even be mentioned in the same conversation as you, my friend, is an honor." And uh, yeah, gentlemen, like. Is, is, how much of, a, is, of an adder is this to an already ridiculous legacy for Scott Dixon? Oh, it's it's pretty big
2: because Scott Dixon himself said, you know, when I got to the end of my first year, two thousand one, Kart that that sure was an interesting year, and he joined it with a PacWest racing team that wouldn't survive the next season. Mm. Uh, you know, he was just concerned about you know keeping his job at the end of the year, even after he won at Nazareth Speedway. Do you ever think, he wouldn't have thought that, like, here he would sit over 20 years later with 52 career wins, 18 consecutive winning seasons, extending his own record, 20 seasons with a win, six national titles. I don't know. I mean, the only blemish he could have on his career is that he should have more Indy 500
0: wins than just one. If that's it's your self-inflicted
1: biggest.
0: Self inflicted there. You have to agree. If that's yeah. if that's the biggest drawback against a man's career that he only won one 500, like, then uh, you're. Terrifyingly, already
1: pretty... on this level, that's something
0: that matters. Yeah, amazing. I mean,
1: for me, it's the 18 consecutive winning seasons. Danny Pedrosa esque. <laughs> like. <sighs> and. A good amount of those are championships. Six of them. There is, uh, there is almost two. There's almost two thirds of my life where Scott Dixon has been a winner. Yeah. yeah, Trey. Trey, tell me some of the stats
2: of some of the things that are younger than Scott Dixon's winning streak.
0: The
1: iPhone. Um. Pedro Acosta. Pedro, Pedro
0: Acosta is younger. Is younger than Scott Dixon's title um, consecutive win streak. Pedro The McCosta, PlayStation Three. The PlayStation Three is younger than Scott Dixon's winning seat. Facebook being available to anyone over the age of fourteen is younger. Gran Turismo Four. Oh my God, you're right. Oh my Jesus, yeah, fuck. Um, yeah. YouTube, um, Twitter, the, the Dark Knight being in cinemas. Yeah, it's... it's, 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 it's Talladega
1: Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Oh, God.
0: Yeah, like, eight, that's how long... Like, like Scott Dixon's Winning Street could legally drink in the UK. Like, that's, that's just ridiculous. And it's... Like I've said it. I'm not the biggest IndyCar fan out of anybody here, but I think I can easily say that he is one of the most consistently brilliant talents that North America has ever produced as a racing driver that could hold up against anyone in open-wheel history in North America... You could put his legacy up against
1: anyone in any series in this
0: century. Easily. Easily. Like, it's one less win than Sebastian Vettel's F1 win count. Which is wild to me, because Vettel has 53 F1 wins. It's, It's absolutely bonkers. I mean, on top of that, though, is he back in this title race too? I think he's only forty-five and off the top. He's in the discussion. He is forty-four he, points back. Forty-four. But has he, kicked the
1: door back in. Unfortunately, sitting sitting at the, the table, rather he's than not going away. rather than the man who was munching on chicken and waffles, the pancake master must deal with a guy sipping a bottle of husky chocolate. He's not going away.
2: Uh, he's just Marcus not Erickson dropping just points. Has, if We're... he has a quiet finish between 4th and
1: 10th, that's becoming
2: the floor for Marcus Erickson this he's year. He's just there. He's yeah, always he's,
1: there. He's he's going full Matt Kenseth on this championship. He, he One ha- big win and just dead consistent every Until other week.
2: Until Alex Pillow got to his quarter panels towards the back half of the race. Did we even notice that Marcus Erickson was still just hanging around the top 10?
0: Yeah, he's just chilling. Just doing his thing. He He's not got the outright speed to challenge for wins every week, but he is good enough to hold his position in the top 10 week in, week out. He's forcing people to have wins to take big points out of him. And let's not forget, only two men in this field have won more than one race this season. And they both drive for Penske. And Newgarden's going to have to drive out of his skin to win the title because he had a pretty midday in Toronto yeah was, and, uh, it, it, it in I will say
1: he he just got hosed in the pit lane because up to that point Newgarden was actually going to take a healthy bite out of the title
2: and then he not just... when does Penske ever drop the ball in the pits
0: uh in, Never. in the modern age pretty well, damn often well yeah i power um that's the thing Marcus Erickson very quietly Finished in fifth and very quietly extended his lead in the championship from twenty to thirty-five. He gained fifteen points on the field this time round, and no one cares because that's just what Marcus does now. He just very quietly. I love that our friend Kevin on the show. I know he's listening. Hi, Kevin was like, uh, "He's Alicia Spargo in uh, Spargo in this championship, which is already about as down bad as a man has ever been." Um, yeah,
1: I mean, at, at this point, Kevin, Ke- Kevin's gonna live stream himself burning down his country <laughs> if Alicia Spargo wins the uh, MotoGP. Island title. has suffered enough,
0: quite <laughs> frankly. <is> so,
1: <laughs> I, some would argue, not enough.
0: <laughs> no, um, we're not doing yeah, that.
1: it's but... it's just this. It's just a relentlessly consistent run mm. uh, since he won the 500, and nobody is nobody is consistent enough to take that big chunk of points out of him.
0: No, it's just not happened yet. And Marcus is squeezing the net where it's like he's, he's going to force people to have good days in order to get to that point. And it's just not happened yet. No one's taken a big swing out of his lead since the 500. He left the 500 with a 27-point lead. It's gotten bigger since that point. And this is going to be the next big test because we've got two races at Iowa next weekend. Two of them. Two of them: a two hundred and fifty mile and a three hundred mile oval race, back to back doubleheader. Iowa oval race, short track oval. It's going to be fascinating to see if Marcus can hold that up over an oval. And the lot, I mean, look, he won the five hundred. No shit, but he was also solid. He was solid in Texas too. Like he was up the front at Texas as well. So, like again, like. If he could just he'll just keep racking up these top tens. Last season he did the exact same thing. He had, I think it was a run of nine straight top ten finishes. And that was great. Like I want to give a couple of shout outs as well. Colton Herter. That's one way to shut some people up. Um great drive from Colton. That was, that was despite,
1: fantastic. Despite being sabotaged by his own hair.
0: Yeah, it's like yeah, like his mask wasn't working properly and yeah, hair was getting in his eyes and he still finished a comfortable second. Um, Felix but-
2: Rosenquist not not dead just yet. First podium with McLaren, who then who would later uh, say, This is Felix Rosenquist's first IndyCar car podium. The other team he accomplished four, ah, they don't matter. Also yeah. him and Alexander Rossi got into it.
0: Yeah, he uh, Felix oversteered coming out of turn three and uh, accidentally, but very accurately, put Alex Rossi in the wall, um, which I thought my first thought was, <laughs> 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 um, yeah, my first thought was, uh, hey, Alex, that's, uh, that's how it feels, huh? Um, I, I thought it was quite karma. Crazy karma uh, the sweet, delicious Spanish-accented karma um, on that one, and I know Rossi bitched about the commentary panel, which I thought was ironic, given James Hinchcliffe was defending him so hard about it last week. Um was like I, I heard you guys in the booth say that you know this this was like very similar to last week, but you know Felix was doing the overtaking, and I'm just like, well, yeah, Felix was probably the majority to blame here, but I don't think what he did in that incident was super egregious. He just oversteered a little bit, and it's unfortunately... It's a tight
2: corner. Like, it funnels down a lot. It's it's a risk to make that move anyway, and uh, it was a calculated risk that Rosenquist took, and, you know, Rossi just got the shit out of it because he got pushed in the marbles.
1: it um, happens. Uh, nah. Felix was asking a lot, however... Seeing Rossi go on the wall was hilarious.
0: I'm not gonna lie, like, uh, so, real, t- so re- real, t- real talk Alex Rossi has been doing that sort of overtake in IndyCar from day one and has largely gotten away with it. So, honestly, from a karmic standpoint, I'm sitting here <laughs> laughing. I can't lie to you, I laughed about it and I will continue to do so because Rossi is the exact... Like, we give Graham Rahul shit for being the guy who dishes it out but can't take it. What the hell do we call Alex Rossi? Like, okay. he's he's been doing this for years.
1: <sighs> mm.
0: That That's my problem with it. I, I just think it's just hypocrisy from Rossi to always say, oh, well, you know, he, he was passing me and, you know, I'm the innocent party and all of this when he's been... Doing, he's been hip-checking people and running people onto the grass, putting Robert Wickens in the wall at St. Pete. He like, he's been, he's been, had that sort of overtaking in him for years. It's a part of his game. He just doesn't like it when he's on the receiving end. And I, and I stand by this. Like I have tremendous respect for Alex Rossi as a driver, which is why I don't like it when he resorts to Bush League tactics. It's that simple with me. He's, I've gassed this man up on this podcast for years. Years and it's off and uh, it's, it's frustrating with him. The fact that he got out of that car and was just like, Oh, well, you know, the commentary proof is wrong, and I'm just like, Well, that's ironic. <laughs> just thought, Yeah, that's that's wild to make, more than anything else. Anything else you want to say about this before we get out of here, gentlemen?
2: I miss the streets of Toronto. This venue's good. Uh, I mean, it doesn't erase the fact that the Maple Leafs blew a 4 1 lead in a game seven, but oh. You know, yeah, you know, uh, it's
0: it's a great venue. I'm glad we're back. You salty, salty man, O'Connell. You had to go there, didn't you? You trying to drive out our Canadian listeners? Is that uh, it? Yes. <laughs> well, first of all,
2: it's bold to assume that every every Canadian NHL fan uh, supports the Leafs because oh, there. I was gonna say that like... is
1: very funny. That's true.
2: true. Yeah, that's like saying, "Oh yeah, all these all these people in America they root for the New York Yankees." I can tell you that ain't
0: true. Oh, <laughs> oh damn! <laughs> but yeah, that was IndyCar in Toronto. Good time had by all except Alex Rossi. Um, so basically, you can find us one more time, youtube.com, facebook.com, forward slash Motorsport 101. I forgot to mention the Instagram, Instagram Motorsport 101 pod, updates on all that stuff is on there as well, and some occasional jokes from yours truly. Um, motorsport101.com, our website for all of our stuff as well, including the written content as well. By the time this goes out, I'll have an IndyCar review up there um, as well for Toronto, so you can check that out already if you haven't, as well as stuff on that ex contract situation too. Um, I promise you, I don't, I don't dunk on the series too hard. Honest. Um, and yes, our Patreon, if you like, to back us financially on there. If you really want to, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Thank you for anyone that does. So over there, we'll be back to catch up a little bit on Formula e next time. IndyCar is back next week. As I mentioned, two races in Iowa this weekend um the 250 and 300 mile races in Iowa anyone for some corn well um well besides as usual on this podcast we'll be back to talk Formula e in New York and a little bit of Marrakesh too uh, next time out until then I've been Dre Harrison they've been Cam Buckley and RJ O'Connell and until next time sayonara bye
2: y'all.
1: So which Andretti's going on the wall next race? Devlin. He is overdue. Hasn't he suffered enough? Depends. Ask Ryan Eric King.